Hey, hello everybody. Good evening and welcome back to the British Canoeing Paddlecast. I'm Etienne Stott, Paddler Till I Die, Olympic champion and rebel for life. I hope some of you have managed to get on the water in the recent nice weather. If you're on watch again, maybe that's a little distant memory. But for those of you who are joining me this evening, I've had a couple of beautiful days here in the UK and I managed to get on the water once, which was just absolutely wonderful. So welcome everyone, one and all. Thanks for being here on a Thursday evening. Beautiful to have you along. And uh, yeah, we've got a really interesting episode coming up. But last week we had a really cool paddle cast where we were joined by Amy Slack of the Surfers Against Sewage organization and Ash Smith from Windrush Against Sewage Pollution. If you missed it last week, please do check it out on Listen Again via your favorite podcast provider or via the Paddlers portal on the British Canoeing website. It's going to be, it's a really interesting episode. It was super interesting, really thought-provoking and kind of eye-opening as well. So definitely check that out if you want. And uh, yeah, thank you. Leave a review and subscribe. That will help us very much as well. So yeah, cool. We're going to crack on. So by my calculations, and I went on the websites last night, um, it is 112. There is 112 days to go before the Tokyo Olympic Games. So 112 days doesn't sound like very many to me, and 144 days until the Paralympic Games. So that's uh, an exciting number. I think that kind of brings it to life that it's on its way and it's coming up. And I do remember really quite vividly I think the times around in the build-up to London 2012 it was just such an interesting time and so much kind of focus that you're kind of bringing and the clarity that you're building about your mission and your purpose day on day it was a really wonderful time to be be alive and be be doing what we're doing but it's fair to say that the preparations for Tokyo are going to be well have been completely different everything is going to be totally strange because of this miserable pandemic so it's going to be interesting to find out how things are going for my guests this week who are all from British Canoeing's world-class performance program so really looking forward to bringing them in they're waiting in the wings but firstly we have Liam Heath MBE Liam is the most successful Olympic kayaker and is the current reigning world and Olympic champion and uh, I've already said that I'm not going to ask him to show his fantastic arm muscles so don't please don't do that uh, Liam uh, we don't want that no one wants to see your fantastic arm muscles we'll just let people imagine well, thank you for being here mate really good to see you no problem great to see you and uh yeah next up we've got adam burgess um and adam his who was part of the olympic ambitions program in london 2012 so adam came was taken around london olympic venues um to give him the taste of what it might be like to go in olympic games himself in future and lo and behold he'll be realizing his olympic dreams later on in the summer when he's going to line up in the canoe singles category adam welcome thank you for coming along mate again well we're not going to ask you to show your impressive muscles either although they're obviously very close to be displayed with your with your top but thank you for being here pal <laughs> yeah they're not as impressive as liam's um but yeah hey thanks very much for having me Ah, wicked, wicked, wicked. No, it's lovely to see you. And uh, as always, uh, it's always nice as well to bring you guys in. And uh, Charlotte Henshaw is by no means our last but not least guest. Uh, Charlotte is already a three-time Paralympian, a two-time medalist as a swimmer, but she's going to be hoping to secure her first para-canoe title later on at this year at the Paralympic Games. So it's lovely to see you here, Charlotte. Thanks for joining us as well. Thanks for uh, having me. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I always love seeing all my friends in the canoeing scene. And uh, it's just super cool to have you all here in one place. So, look, you know, I was part of the British Canoeing Elite program for for quite a while. Um, But try as I might, I do find it really, really hard to imagine how I would have reacted to being in this point if I'd have been in my career during, you know, during this time, it'd be all tangled up with this pandemic. The last 12 months have been like no other. Um, and it's just, you know, I'm really curious to kind of hear about this and, and about your thoughts. And, and going forwards, you know, you've had no access to the water or limited, reduced access to water. Warm weather training has probably been not been able to happen and, you know, competitive sessions and all this sort of thing. So I'm going to come to Liam first, if that's all right. So, Liam, um, you know, this is going to be your third games. You, you, you've been around the block quite a while. Um, but how different? Is it going to be to be into this games? You are unbeaten, which is awesome. And, you know, what's it going to be like to go there as the reigning champion? Just kind of everyone looking at you with that with that sort of recognition that you are the guy. Uh, oh, I don't know. Like, 
just mentioned the lead up to this game is going to be completely different. It has been completely different for, for everybody, um, so not just the UK, but the entire world. Um, they're dealing with, um, you know, the, the whole pandemic and that quite serious situation. But um, very much focused on, uh, you know, competing at my third games. That's been a motivation which has actually helped me through this kind of uh, um, pandemic that we've been experiencing. Um, and I think probably you said I was unbeaten and it's I've been beaten a few times, but um I've always, I guess, been 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 one of the athletes that people have looked to, uh, I suppose, at competitions. So going in as an Olympic champion um, uh, is probably not not going to be any different from going to the World Champs, um, you know, because they all they they all know who you are and, and know what you're capable of. Um, and I just just try and keep a focus on on me, my preparations, my race, uh, make sure that I'm doing everything right, and try not to let the nerves get to me too much. Mm. And it's interesting. Are you is there going to be much chance for the opposition to have a look at you before the the games? How many races will you get to see them, and will they get to see you before the games comes for you? As, as it as it stands right now, as, as as if it's all going to happen like it's supposed to. Yeah, I mean there there, there are internationals on the cards, and uh, we've got a national um, regatta coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, I think that might be broadcast, hopefully, uh, potentially. Um, and internationally, they're hopefully looking to attend one of the World Cups out in Hungary and the European Champs in Germany. Uh, and that's pretty much it before coming back home and starting the preparations for, for the Tokyo um, Games. Um, so just a couple of chances there, um, really, for me. And it's going to be tricky, is it? It's tricky enough anyway, but with the uh, travel restrictions and everything that's going on, it's been made even more complex. So uh, you can hopefully, you know, you know going to be able to get out there and actually do some racing because just the other day we were me and my coach were just talking and there's a real, very real possibility that, that there might not be all we might not get out to any internationals prior to the olympic games and that is quite a, a strange and quite a scary prospect as well not to be able mm -hmm. to go out and test your metal against the rest of the world and then just turn up at the, the biggest event you know in the in the four or five year cycle and um try and do the best you can so it's a very real possibility but hopefully we'll get to do some decent racing before them yeah it's funny how it works isn't it like they'll want to see you you'll want to see them but you know it's going to be stressful yeah. until you know just unleash the liam at the olympics and that'll be it they'll just say whoa what's going on it's kind of a i suppose the internationals um for everybody it's kind of a tuning fork you get to see how the winter training's gone and the block and the work that you've been doing in whether it's the right stuff whether you need to change it uh, and adapt um, and yeah, the prospect of not having that ability is is quite yeah, like I say, a scary one. It's an interesting, it's it's very interesting like build up and cycle, Olympic cycle already, and it's going to be an interesting year. Mm, yeah, it's, yeah, I just think it's fascinating to spend time wondering about this. And so, so Adam, this is your first Olympics, and um, I don't know what it was like for you. Can you describe that moment? I don't know where, when you get your first bit of Team GB kit. Um, what's that like, and 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 how does that sit with you? Yeah, I mean, we we had a pretty whirlwind week, really, with the World Championships. It was it seems so long ago now. It was um, start of October, two thousand and nineteen, and yeah, one week later we were at the Foreign Office um, to have our announcement day. It was it was a really cool event where. They paired it with uh, like a reunion for the last Tokyo Olympics. So we got to meet Olympians who were in their 70s and 80s. And um, yeah, I mean, the whole time just just flew by. It still felt we were on this high from from the end of racing. And, um, and, and we flew to Tokyo that night for our first training camp as well. So yeah, to be honest, it, it was hard to really remember too much about it. It all just kind of flew by so fast. And I think it didn't really hit home until until we got out there and and saw the course um you know there was the occasional moment it was more when occasionally we were on our own cycling back from a session or something that's when it hit me when i was just on my own and i was just like wow this is actually happening yeah yeah cool i mean it's just so interesting isn't it the, the kind of 
we're all we're probably all somehow managed to live something of our dreams and it is the strangest thing isn't it just to kind of wake up realizing you're doing something that you've imagined it's a it's an odd it's an odd thing but yeah it's super cool and i just i remember you know it's funny talking about that olympic ambitions program having little photos of you man from london and it's like there's adam burgess like yeah man how cool i feel like it was a coincidence as we came into the village uh you and timmy were just walking out as well um which is super cool. Like, yeah, I've got that photo still with, um, it was three of us with oh, you guys. Good times. Oh, mate. Nice. Lovely, lovely, good feelings. And and Charlotte, well, look, you know, it's amazing that you're here. We thank you so much for becoming a paddler. Um, you used to be a swimmer and I think everybody uh, is super stoked that you would uh, kind of, what's that word, honour us with your participation in the sport that we all love. And, and I hope that you love it as well. And I just wonder, you know, everybody must ask you this. And, you know, as I said, you know, forgive me for asking, but what do you, what do you see the differences or what do you, what do you, what do you value about canoeing or kayaking, whatever you're in a paddle sport compared to swimming and, and what do you miss? What do you take? You know, because I think it must be just such an amazing thing to have been so good at, at two things that are actually really different. Yeah, so I think the biggest shock for me was like a swimming pool is a swimming pool is a swimming pool wherever you are in the world, whatever the weather is outside. So I was very used to just getting up early, getting in my car and then spending two hours in a really hot, sticky environment. So to it sounds silly, but take notice of what the weather's doing and to, to really be in tune with what's going on outside was was a real welcome escape for me it was such a different world than I'd inhabited and um I when I first you know sat in a boat I I didn't even feel like I was doing a sport I just loved it for, for, for you know for what it was and I think that that's what really inspired me to, to take up the sport I tried a couple of other sports when I was considering moving but I, there was something that just brought me back to the water and I definitely think I just have an affinity with the water whether I'm in it or on it so it, it really was a no-brainer that I would come over to, to canoeing and um yeah it was a great decision and I like you say I'm very fortunate that I found another sport that I that I love and that um you know that I, I enjoy spending time doing it's a real privilege and it's funny because I'm just reflecting. I again looked on Adam's some of Adam's social media, and there's a there's a little clip of him in the swimming pool, I believe, in the London Olympic swimming pool. And we all love um, in a slalom in the winter time being out of the out of the uh, winter <laughs> in the swimming pool. And you're sort of going, yeah, like I really like being outside and not in the swimming pool. But I'm wondering, surely there must be days and weeks perhaps when you'll be like, nah, I want to be a swimmer again. I don't want to be cold outside in the wind. Maybe in the middle of winter where you're like smashing the ice up on the water and you put about 10 layers on, like that's maybe the only time. But other than that, I, I love it. And um, yeah, it's funny that, that you kind of go to the pool and I, I've come out of it. <laughs> and I'm a terrible... Oh, ter oh, go on, Burge, go on, mate. I was going to say, it's close we got to a warm weather camp this year. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that I'm just kind of curious because I used to really like swimming. I'm a, I don't think I'm a good swimmer by any means, but I really enjoyed the feeling of, of swimming, putting your hands into the water and, and feels very much like kayaking to me, like putting your hand and gripping the water and the, the stronger the grip you get with your hands, the stronger the grip you get with your paddle, the nicer it feels. And is that like same for you as well? Do you feel the same, they're, they're the same feelings almost for me when I try them? Absolutely. And I, I think that's part of the reason why my transition has been A, so quick and B, successful, because that that understanding of the water is innate to me. It, I, I don't, it's hard to explain it. So I remember when I first came over and I was paddling with some other talent athletes and I was trying to explain that, that feel of water and I, I couldn't find the words to describe it because it's just a it's just something that's very natural to me and um absolutely very very transferable from one to the other and um I, I like I say I think that's part of the reason why that part of paddling certainly came came quite easily to me it was just the rest I had to learn <laughs> yeah no no it's it's interesting because I'm, I'm going to bring Adam I, I remember mm. us talking quite extensively about grip this is something that you're really interested in in, in, in canoe singles category about locking into the water and I, I love that feeling of Liam I'm wondering about you I know man you must do a zillion strokes uh, a minute sometimes it seems 
but do you get that sense of grip on the water? That I love that feeling of connection to the water. Is do you, do yeah, you really certainly do? That? That's that. I mean, that's the biggest part, isn't it? You're trying to move yourself across uh, the surface of a liquid, and uh, you've got to try and grab as much grip as possible to keep the paddle in the same place and move yourself past it. I mean, I mean, that's the fundamentals of paddling. Um, a lot of people think that you're like scooping water, water and throwing it behind you, and you're propelling yourself forwards, but you're not. You want the paddle to really stay in the same spot and, and you move past it. And, um, yeah, so that's a key, like, feeling that I'm looking for when I'm paddling, training, uh, doing the technique work. Um, and you can, you know, secure your paddle in the water in lots of different ways, uh, technically, with hitting it really hard um, and then pulling it through in a certain way. Um, but like I say, yeah, you have to speed it up quite quite a lot for, for the speeds that I get can get up to so you're hitting about 180 100 185 strokes a minute uh, at peak um so you, you just do it day in day out and try and replicate that feeling uh, at a higher higher stroke rate yes yeah. that's, that's remarkable that number uh, burge I, i'm wondering you would probably think to do 185 strokes a session is that right, <laughs> right? Because i do remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. what you used to talk about how many because in slalom especially in c1 something about the quality the, the least number of strokes can be actually the most effective and, and that's that's remarkable to hear that i've never heard that number before Liam. that's kind of you can see my face i can see yeah. it myself and my <laughs> eyes are blown man that's only a peak so, yeah. so you're only up there for a, a couple of seconds and then it starts to come down again once the boat speeds up there. But mm. you, you're, you're having to move yourself faster than than the boat is moving across the water to propel yourself forwards. So that's why you're going to have to kind of keep up with that water. So if you're moving mm. at 100, um, if you're moving at, um, so my peak speeds are really around 24 kilometers an hour on the water, you're going to have to be moving that, paddle blade or moving yourself past that paddle blade in excess of 20 24 kilometers an hour to to keep yourself moving uh, essentially mm -hmm. and it's really uh, it's really interesting i mean that's kind of like a universal feeling i remember having a uh, a webinar and a q a like we are now with um, johnny and uh, lisa carrington as well and, and and lisa described that i mean they say what do you feel when you're going flat out and it feels good and great and, and you know you're you're speeding along and uh, her answer was, it was like her paddles are like hitting concrete. So she's like gripping everything, everything she's throwing at the water she's gripping with and propelling herself forwards, um, which is kind of the adverse to what you might think it might feel like going so quick. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. I don't think I could do 185 of anything in a minute, let alone paddle stroke is <laughs> complicated. But Adam, go on, tell me about your sensation and your sense of this this wonderful, I think it's to do with your body, right? And I, I felt in a canoe, canoe discipline especially, you really feel this kind of the way your body just all lines up on your paddle and you're leaning on it. And I just know, uh, you know, I just, I know, I love the way you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I just love like a sustained stroke. So, so that, yeah, that, like that kind of cadence, that number scares me, <laughs> um, to be honest, you know, I see, I see some other C1 paddlers paddle off the start line and I'm like, like that would scare me knowing I'm going to go that hard off the start. Um, you know, I grew up paddling the river Trent at Staffordstone canoe club and, you know, it's like treacle. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's my piece of Staffordstone that I'm taking to Tokyo is that, that ability to, to feel the water lock in and you know sustain the drives and and hopefully yeah just move fast across the water and um, without having to over move my body too much and and disrupt the boat um i guess that's the difference between slalom and sprint is obviously we've got the waves to deal with and you know in slalom you know i'm a big believer that um you know it, it really doesn't matter how quick you are on the flat water if you can't keep the front of your boat dry it means nothing because the waves are going to slow you down so much we do occasionally have to deal with waves, but we don't like it that much. Yeah, in Nottingham especially. It's... Our, our boats aren't really built for it. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because even slalomists don't really like waves when you're they're getting in your way. You just want them to be underneath your boat. But I do think I like waves yeah. because of they're so much good anyway. But you know, just... I think we love waves. I think, yeah, I think as a slalom paddler, like we look at we look at courses, especially somewhere like Lee, Lee Valley with so many features and stoppers and waves it's you know you look at it it's just like a playground isn't it and i think that's that's something you learn over time you just you you see the features and you're like wow like that can that can ping me over there and 
you know, those those feelings are second to none for me. We've got it's what eleven tons of water a second come down our channel. You know, when you put the paddle in the right place, like I said, when you lock in, you sustain the drive, you feel it just push you where you want to go. Um, and conversely, yeah, you get it wrong, you know about it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Is, I just go on, Charlotte. Sorry, we we're about to say something. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, I wasn't at all. I was just thinking of your poor shoulders. Like, I can only imagine <laughs> like the force that's going through them. Then it's just, oh, yeah. It's just the best feeling, though. I, I still say, you know, I still think it's like that. It's the, the energy in, you know, the, just being connected to that amount of, of force is amazing. So, our oh, guys, uh, we, probably people are starting to think, what do these guys talk about? Right. We're going to, I'm going to want to just speak a little bit about, uh, you know, you guys have been training for for now, you know, a year in these really weird conditions. Um, and I thought I'd start with with Liam. I know that you've had um, someone helping you with your training, your daughter, Sarah, who I think you yeah. said was three years old. And uh, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, daddy's daddy's trying to lift some weights now. Can you, you know, how is that? What it must be like, you know, it must be really, really, really interesting. Yeah, What's it like training with your with your I family mean, around you? So, I mean, this time last year, having Sarah around was very, it was one of the silver linings of the whole whole um, pandemic and uh, having to train at home. She gets to see what I do and, and, and you know, coming to the window because I did gazebo in the garden uh, and with the gym kind of set up there in my ergo and she'd be uh, cheering uh, just behind the glass in her a, in a pyjamas and stuff because I was up early. And um, definitely the whole, I mean, the whole household and the neighbours knew if I was doing bench pull because uh, I was just dropping the dropping hundred and I don't know fifty kilos every couple of couple of uh, seconds. So the whole house shook. But it, it's been it's been challenging. But yeah, having having my daughter there and having family around and the support that I've got has it's been absolutely fantastic and it's been one of the silver linings of this whole scenario. And what about you, Charlotte? I mean, you know, I can imagine the, the, the challenges for a para-athlete. You know, I, I do know actually having in conversations with para-athletes, they actually find it easier being at home in some respects because everything is set up and organised. You know, I know that it's difficult when you're travelling away sometimes, things aren't right. But I guess travelling, you know, be training at the, the usual training centre must have some benefits. But ha- have you managed to get organised, you know, really ni- neatly at home as well? Or has it been difficult? Yeah, so I was in the gazebo crew as well. Like, I've still got mine um, in case. Um, and during the bits where we were allowed family in, my dad brought around, like, pallets that he, like, got off his mates and was sawing and hammering stuff so that I got, like, a, a bench raised up to do bench pull. And so, absolutely, it was kind of cobbling stuff together that, you know, people could get hold of. And we got some equipment from the training centre that they kind of divvied out to us. Um but I think for me, the biggest challenge was um, like when you're in a nice gym setup, and we have um, an S&C coach that kind of logistically helps us to move weights. Because for me, I've been a double amputee, carrying weight plates is quite difficult when you're crossing the gym. So um, it's usually just hand to like set things up. And obviously at home, you don't have that. And so it was logistically trying to work out my gym sessions so that I wasn't doing hundreds of extra lifts to get the weight from the other end of the garden to this end so it was about planning it strategically so that I could literally set one thing up and I do a number of exercises with it but once we got to grips with that it was absolutely fine and I was the same as Liam like my neighbours used to like pop their head over the garden fence like if I got my earphones in I was doing battle ropes or I was on my ergo they'd be like yeah, go on, Charlotte. Woo, just one more. And I yeah, like, they so connected oh. to you, weren't they? But They'll be lovely. It was yeah. lovely because, like, I think, again, like, similar to, like, Liam's daughter, like, understanding what Daddy did. Um, You know, my neighbours see me rocking out in the morning with a paddle and they don't really, I don't suppose they really get it, but I think now that I've had that time at home, they, I think they do understand it a bit more. So I, I absolutely think that we've got a few more canoeing fans around where I live because now they, now they understand it, which is great. <laughs> so I'm just curious as, as, so who's been helping you with your, with your gym? Because I'm thinking, you know, your mum might just be basically super ripped now because she's been lifting <laughs> your weights around, sorting out your, uh, your gazebo and making no. it, arranging it for you. No. So I live on my own. So I got to that point where I was like danger lifting. I was like, Oh, is this a bit dangerous to do by myself? And your neighbours yeah. peered over the fence to see you struggling under a bench yeah. press. <laughs> yeah. Well, bench bench press is the one you have to just back yourself. Otherwise, I think I'd be lifting the bar for forevermore. So, yeah, but it's fine, you know, confidence building and all that. <laughs> mm. 
And I saw you, uh, Adam, I saw you uh, doing like your, uh, I don't know what the actual name is, the rings, the limp, you know, pulling up on the rings and stuff. I guess yeah. it's in the stairwell of your your flat. And that looked pretty, uh, that must be interesting when your neighbours pop out and they see some young <laughs> athlete in the finest prime doing some sort of ridiculous strength exercises. How has it been for you being at home? And, and I guess you've recently been being able to access a bit more uh, at Lee Valley. But how is it? How is it? What have you done at home and what have you done at the centre and stuff? Yeah, I mean, we've been very lucky to have um, access to Whitewater since the start of June. Um, I don't think that's, no, that's not really stopped since then. Um, it has just been the gym that's been a bit, um, a bit disrupted. But, um, you know, we're, we're all just super happy and super grateful that we're able to paddle white water every day um you know it's what we've grown up doing since we were so young i think um i'd, I'd have really struggled i think without that um and yeah like i live in a two-bed flat with um my teammate chris bowers and we've got got most of a gym kind of up here so um yeah we haven't got room for a bench so we do uh, we do floor press we rest the bar on a set of parallettes and um yeah there's nowhere to do pull-ups um, and door frames aren't really strong enough for us so um, yeah we we're quite happy to find that we could we could hang them up in, in in the stairwell and I have yeah I made the mistake of putting some videos on um, Instagram and some people message saying like what are you doing because they thought it looked like the rings were hanging over like over the gap like down two stories of stairs I had to like point out and no no like it's just like an illusion it's not like that at all like it's like perfectly safe um, but yeah I mean it's it, it's obviously very tough but um i think i think we've done really well um mm. with what we've got no nah, man well look i just want to welcome everybody who's watching tonight here on the british canoeing paddlecast if you've just joined us we've got liam heath adam burgess and charlotte henshaw um three of our best athletes from sprint para canoe and the slalom uh, circuits looking and hoping and hopefully going to Tokyo to represent us. Um, if you're watching on uh, Watch Again or Catch Up or listening on the podcast, thank you so much for getting involved with that as well. It's super great to have you here and, and you know, really having a lovely conversation with these guys. And I'm really enjoying it. It makes me, makes me feel super good. And just to let anybody know, people, yeah, put in some questions. We've got a question here from, from David. How do Adam and Charlotte feel about their families not being allowed to travel to Tokyo to support them and I guess I'm going to bring that question to you as well Liam maybe they they don't know I don't know what your situation is but Charlotte how do you how is that going to work for you um well I think obviously if I if I get out to the games I, my mom and my auntie and um, they've been to every international that I've ever been in both swimming and and canoeing um and I I think it's something that we probably all expected at some point um them to say that there was no international spectators so I think they've kind of got to grips with that and um, obviously it's disappointing I mean everybody wants to have their support system share in that moment and um, because we we don't do this alone like we couldn't do it without our support team around us and um I you know I think it's something that we've got to get our heads around but I think most most of our friends and family would absolutely say that the most important thing is for, you know, their loved ones, the athletes to be able to safely compete. And if that means that they have to, you know, get up in the middle of the night and watch us on a, on a computer screen or a TV screen, I, I, I know certainly for me, they were, they're willing to give up that experience themselves so that we can go and achieve our dreams, which, you know, just kind of shows um, the level of the support that they give us. Um, and, um, you know, other athletes will be around and you know there will be some support system there so you know we just have to make the best of it I think yeah no it's going to be so strange I feel because I know your 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 parents love I've seen them all around on the canoe and scene over the years they must feel everybody's going to feel somewhat cheated aren't they in some aspects of this it's going to be tough isn't it yeah yeah no they they absolutely love it coming um to watch the competition so yeah i'm i'm gutted for them because you know they they're as much a part of the journey as we are like you'll know yourself you know they they're the ones that that drive us up and down the country the early days to go to all the races and and they're always so supportive so yeah no i'm i'm gutted that they're not going to be there um i'm also you know i've i've been to races without them as well plenty of times with success um so I'm happy that, you know, I'm there with a job to do 
and and I'm sure that uh, the Japanese will, um, if if there is some support allowed in or officials, organisers, whoever's on the venue, I'm sure they'll they'll make some noise. And you know, as canoe slalom athletes, we're we're not exactly used to massive crowds, um, so you know, it's I I don't think it would be too different for us. It won't like it, like it won't seem quiet for sure. Yeah, and what about you, Liam? Have you have you thought about this for you? Because it, I guess you've got a young daughter, and that's, that's, yeah. that's got to be tough as well, right? No, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of my motivation has come from having, you know, knowing that Sarah would be out there to see me competing at the Olympic Games. Um, but you know, like like Charlotte said, uh, I've this would be my third games, and and my parents have had that uh, ability to go to those and experience that. Um, like that excitement and that the venues and um, the whole atmosphere, the Olympic atmosphere. So I, I really feel for you know the families of uh, first-time Olympians um, who who are going to be kind of missing out um, on on that a little bit. Um, and, and I mean, as as much as it sucks, that you kind of could see the decision was going to go this way uh, from quite a long way out, and it's is for, for me, it's probably the one of the best decisions they could make um, in terms of making ensuring the games go ahead and make sure it's done safely uh, for everyone, everyone involved, um, the athletes and, and the host nation and their, you know, their population as well. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, as I say, we, we all know this game is going to be very different from every other, every other games. Um, I mean, for me, when, when the announcement was made as well, as much as I'd love my family to be out there uh, supporting me, and I would if it was just a, you know, a normal normal year and a normal scenario. Um, it, it came as a bit of a, a bit of a relief knowing um, they kind of been taken out of their hands in terms of going out because if they were to head out or were allowed to go out, I would be worrying quite a bit about their safety, their health uh, in such uncertain times. So, um, you know, it's it's. It is what it is, and uh, kind of just just find a way of supporting uh, from afar. Yeah, no, super. Oh, here we go. We've got a good one. Here's from Rachel Hudspeth. Impressive stats in the they're saying about yeah, the forward paddling is so important, and it's something you know coaches you, you know they're impressed when delivering sessions or in discussions because you know the efficiency of forward paddling. I guess it doesn't matter what sport, even if you're doing slalom forward paddling is so in interesting so thank you for that for that comment and please keep them coming i'm just going to bring in yeah zofia has been asking lots of questions zofia campbell nice to see you zofia thanks for being here so what do you guys do in your spare time and how do you spend downtime to balance your the intensity and i'm just going to have to say this i know already charlotte that you are a fan of musical theater this is that moment where you get to talk about it so i'm kind of interested because it's such an interesting thing i i, I you know i don't know much about musical theater but I'll be very lovely to hear what you what you like about it and where that takes you and maybe how you guys get your get your thoughts away from the game that we're we're playing or that I was playing and you guys are playing. So go on, Charlotte. So for me, I I used to be quite musical. And um, when I was at school, I, I played piano and I was in the choir. I was in the school band, and so I kind of had this dual. I know you people used to say, "Are oh, you kind of sporty or are you musical?" So and I was both. And um, so. I've loved theatre since I was a kid. I grew up in quite a musical household. Um, and for me, not only does it provide, you know, it's something that I, I've always loved, it, it for me is a huge transportation away from my day-to-day. -day. And I think, you know, you can get that through various different mediums. But when I sit in a theatre and, you know, the, the lights go down and I'm completely invested in what I'm seeing on stage, I haven't got time to worry about, you know, how terrible my training week's been or a competition that's coming up in a few months' time that I'm, a, you know, a bit twitchy about. It, I completely forget that for three hours and it allows me that headspace away from the day-to-day -day grind of training. So it, it it does sound a bit of a cliche, but it is a huge escape for me. And um, I've definitely missed that during the pandemic, you know, being able to just head down to London on a weekend and catch up with friends and, and and go and see a show or two so hopefully it won't be too how long. have you been getting your dose how have you been getting your dose during lockdown and the theatres do you watch it on tv and, and listen and stuff like that well there's musical films which are always a classic um and actually it's similar to how we've kind of been creative in our training i think a lot of the arts have kind of had to be creative as well so lots of performers have been going online and doing online productions and online concerts so um 
I think it's just thinking outside the box and they've managed to do that pretty well. So that's been how I've been sort of satisfying that craving for, you know, for this last 12 months or so. Oh, no, that's cool. Well, just uh, thank you, uh, Charlotte. And and yeah, I, I think it's really amazing to hear that you've got this, you know, these different aspects, because I'd have just thought you were an athlete. And I, I guess like many people might just think you can either be an athlete or a sporty person. But hey, look, Kimberly Woods is joining us. Hey, Kimberly, thanks for coming. Kimberly Woods representing um, Great Britain at the next Olympics uh, in uh, K1 men. Oh, uh, K1 women, excuse me. That's obviously not sensible to say that. Kimberly is saying, what is your favorite musical and which will be the first one you'll go to go on charlotte will you will you really tell us i can yeah um so currently my favorite musical is hamilton which is probably not a surprise to if people like musical theater they will have heard of hamilton um it's on disney plus i've heard of hamilton yeah. so um it's just very different it's very creative it's very modern um so yeah that one um and if i can get tickets to go and see it i would like to go and see that again um when when i can Oh, that sounds super cool. Uh, Adam, what about you? How do you kind of take your mind out of this uh, this this business? I know you're super into yoga and, and stuff like that. Is that a part of it or is this an aspect of your do you see yoga as a bridging the gap or is it is it a is it a way of I don't just want to say escaping because that's a bit sounds a bit weird, but kind of getting away or, or changing changing your mindset. What's where how does that fit in or what do you do? It's a bit of both really. And I think, you know, because of the pandemic, my my studio is closed. And, you know, part of it for me is, you know, I, I really like the community around it. Um, so it's, it, you know, I'd say like my personal practice here is it, it's just not quite the same. Um, so I, I haven't been doing as much at home as I probably usually do if my studio is open. But what what it is, you know, it's it's moving and breathing. And that's what we do all day long. And, and you know, my yoga practice has, has made me quite fascinated in both of those things and I think now kind of where I'm at is you know I'm, I'm really quite interested in how how I'm moving and how I'm breathing you know the 24 hours a day um so that's that's not like a not an escape thing but but you'd be amazed that you know in, in the morning between waking up and arriving at the venue um the amount of time in that window I've, I've spent you know thinking about how I'm breathing or or where the weight is in my feet. And, you know, that that's what the yoga practice has given me. It's not just about what you do on the mat. It's, you know, the, the next level for me is then how you take that into your everyday life. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I use that word escape really like not wanting to because what you're talking about is the very opposite of escape. It's about complete presence and being completely there with yourself rather than trying to get away from things. And that, for me, is what I really wanted to do in my sport as well. You know, you want to be there because you're you've done all this stuff and you've had all this effort put into you by various people. It's kind of honoring, honoring the moment, honoring the breath that you have, that moment that you have at that time to be able to be there when we know, especially in these times, so you know that is not universally possible for so many people. So that's lovely to hear you say that. I mean, like like we're so, you know, we need totally normal lives as well. So like everyone else, you know, I love sitting down and watching a series on Netflix just as much as anyone. Um, I guess maybe the the slightly novel approach I might bring to it is that, you know, I'm pretty conscious about how I'm sitting whilst I'm doing that. And, you know, I, you're, you're, you're watching it stood on one finger balanced, like in a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> what about you, Liam? Yeah. You've got obviously your daughter and you've got your family around you. Um, is that how, is, what, how, is that what you do to be away from your, uh, your sport? Yeah. I mean, it's changed over the years that I, I've been competing uh, and I've been an athlete. So, um, it's very much now about being a dad when in my free time it is about looking after my daughter and and, and dealing with family life and, and making sure things set up for the next session um but uh yeah previously i on training camps when you have free time uh it would be pretty much watching films um doing design work bits and pieces uh designing something thinking about something else um designing what designing think, what what, what are you know, designing all, all sorts, bits and pieces, anything kind of that takes my fancy, I suppose. I do a lot of boat designs for for Nello uh, and paddle sports design. So the graphic design work, which which goes on their their boats for for people to have their own snazzy snazzy kayaks. Are you a gel coater's nightmare with a zillion colours and super thin lines? They must be like, no, that is that Liam's design coming yeah. again. What's he doing? I, I I've sent a few through and they've just said no, <laughs> I can't do that, no way. Um, 
But I was saying that I think having that ability as an athlete, having that ability to distract yourself during those rest periods, those down times is a very important skill. And it's probably uh, quite understated or, or people don't really yeah, recognize that as a skill to completely take yourself away from that training environment, the sessions you've just done uh, and completely fixate your mind on something else and give, give that, give that mind a rest. Um, it's a very important skill. And, uh, you know, it's probably, I'm quite good at it. It's probably one of those aspects which has made me quite good at, at paddling at the same time or being an athlete, being the athlete that I am, um, just to be able to switch off and, and completely forget about paddling for a little bit and then reset, bring myself back into the training environment and hit it as hard as I can once once again. Um, yeah. Now that's really interesting. Again, uh, oh, uh, do Liam's logos make the boats go faster? Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> Depends how thick uh, the joke is. More, more Look good, feel good, eh? Uh, it is, yeah. I mean, part of uh, you know going quick is feeling good and confident in your boat. And if you you feel confident, feel fast when you're sat in it, and you're looking at a fast design, or, or you you like the boat that you're in, it's going to be a positive thing, isn't it? Um, but you know, a, a complex design and with a lot of paint on is going to be heavier <laughs> than uh, than than one without. But uh, it's as I say, it's all about that. That psychological aspects i suppose if you're happy and it it feels comfortable you like it it was going to be good it's all good for you yeah you just want gray gray on the top gray on the bottom seems to work just fine um <laughs> uh yeah no so it's interesting as i think it's just enough i mean look the time is running past like crazy here and i just i love so fascinating i mean one of the things i always thought about is if you know as an athlete and i think you guys will probably know this it'd be interesting if the, i don't know about the audience i always thought it's really important to be either on or off if you're half between on or off then you're never really able to get on and never able to switch off and i think when i was resting you know, you're really thinking about like resting properly or when you're doing something else, do that. You don't want to be thinking about canoeing and resting. You don't want to be thinking about, um, you know, doing resting and, and, you know, canoeing, thinking about other things that you're not doing. So I think to me, it's about being completely present with what you're doing. I think that's a really important part of being athlete because that way your body, you can get the most out of yourself as well. And yeah, really lovely to hear that. So I'm, I'm uh, look, I'm just desperate. Yeah, we're running, we're not running out of time, but I've got to keep kind of, I've got to keep going. Uh, Charlotte, there's one question I would really like to to bring up with with you because I think this is incredibly interesting, incredibly kind of brave and 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 kind of awesome. You've been talking a bit about endometriosis and having surgery uh, nine months out of the games time, and I guess endometriosis is something that is you know, perhaps not very well known to people and what this means. And I suppose for lots of people, and especially for athletes, this is something that's actually surprisingly uh, common for female athletes, well, surprisingly common for women in general, more more common than people might think. I was wondering what brought, what what made you want to speak about that and, and be so honest, but also be so, so kind of, um, yeah, I suppose I was about to say useful or helpful, but I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of pro-social with this, trying to get out there and talk about this. Yeah, so for me, it was really important when um, I got my diagnosis in December, I had my surgery just before Christmas. And um, I, when the doctors had said that it was a potential that I could have endometriosis and that, that was the cause of my pain for many, many years, um, I, I did what everyone does. And I went online and I went to find out about the surgery. I went online to find out how people had recovered from it and, you know, how they managed their pain on a day-to-day basis. And there was a lot of information about, um, you know, just general recovery, but there wasn't a lot out there for athletes specifically. And obviously because, you know, we're so fine tuned and we're so in tune with our bodies and it's our, it's our tool and we need to know that it's going to be you know, in a good position when I came out of surgery. I, I was trying to find information and there wasn't really anything. I, I think I found articles about two other athletes that had, you know, been very open with their story. and so. Um, Eleanor Barker, who's a cyclist, was really, you know, gracious with her time. She um, said she sent me her number and I spoke to her the night before my surgery. And she spoke to me in terms of athlete recovery. And so I went into my surgery with a huge weight off my mind that, you know, I wasn't going to be not able to walk up the stairs in five weeks time, which is what I'd read on this one website. And I thought, well, that's no use to me when I've got a, a games to be training for. And then when I spoke to Bella and she said, well, I was back on the bike in five days. And that just kind of, it set me, you know, on a, a, a good mindset to go into surgery and then recovery. So um, 
I was really um, keen to to be that person for you know the next young athlete or or young woman who wants some more information um, about keeping active and about the condition. Um, and it's it's about sharing my admittedly limited at this moment in time. It's very new diagnosis for me, but um, it's about sharing. The, the knowledge that you have and to help other people either advocate for themselves to get a diagnosis or if they've got one how you tips and tricks to cope with pain management and um I hope that you know by being open with with my experience it will be a help to to somebody mm. uh, no thank you I just I was really wanting to, to, to give you this opportunity because I think the platform you know you guys are all going to be well, hopefully some of you, you know, uh, Charlotte, I know you're not fully qualified yet. And, and, and Liam and, and Adam, you're already booked your ticket, so to speak. But I guess, you know, athletes do have this platform and you do have a voice. And it's really interesting. You know, Adam, I know you were talking, you know, adver- talking about yoga and, you know, this idea of breathing and, and, and all that, you know, having this using that platform. Do you do you feel strongly, Adam? I, I think you must do about using your voice to, to 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 talk about things that are important to you to to different people. Yeah, definitely. And it's the breath in particular that's that's really interested me at the moment. And I'm actually studying a um a, a course now. Hopefully, I'll qualify soon, so I'll, I'll be able to talk more about it then um and be qualified to do we'll book so. You. We'll book you on. <laughs> but for me, it, like that's been a fascinating journey, and not just from a performance aspect. You know, it's it's about it's about longevity for me. Uh, so maybe we should have a chat about it. I know it's one of your goals to live to a hundred. Remember you telling me that once. Um, so yeah, you know, like how how should we be be moving to live longer? And um, you know, I like what you said. You know, if you're you're on or off as an athlete, it, it's sometimes hard to get out of that in between stage and really switch off the power of the breath. You can kind of get there and Liam I know you know you, you you'll have you'll be a sort of almost elder statesman if you'll forgive me to use that word but you know you'll have been around you'll have known this stuff you know and for you this chance to be on on the stage you know on the Olympic stage what does it mean to you as a sort of beyond sports does it does it does it have that chance the opportunity for you um how do you feel about that uh yeah it's definitely a massive opportunity of like self-promotion and and, and looking forward to your future careers I mean that's a that's uh, definitely on the cards for me, as I say, I'm mean, getting older and, um, you know, uh, my thoughts are turning towards future life and, and supporting the family. Um, but, you know, it's just trying to make the most of the opportunities uh, as and when they pop up and, and recognising them and, and, yeah, trying to do the best you can and with them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the games that's approaching and the, the media attention around that is a massive opportunity, which hopefully can kind of, uh, you know, capitalize on uh, and springboard you or springboard me or, uh, you know, the sport and everyone forwards yeah. uh, another step. No. Um, Sure. That's no, really, I mean, it's just super interesting to say, hold on, it's just someone say, Lee Atkins, there you go. In case the broadcast ends soon, you are all brilliant and we'll hear our cheers from Blighty. So all the way out there. Thank you, Lee. That's a lovely thing to say. <laughs> oh, um, thanks. And so, yeah, I'm just wondering, and yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to try and say Linos Ellen Owen. Brilliant openness for other female athletes. Yes, thank you, Charlotte, for, for using your voice there and, and Zofia seconding that as well. So I think it's, yeah, I just... I'm very grateful for people coming here and, and speaking, uh, you know, and, and, and being. So I just, I think we need to start to finish because people uh, might be wondering to go and have their cup of cocoa before they go to bed. Um, I don't know what time you've got to go to bed, Liam, if you've got a three-year-old and then how that must work for you. But um, Liam, I'll just give you the last, have you got any last thoughts that you'd like to talk about here before we, uh, before we sign off? Is there anything you'd like to have said or, or, or things you'd like to expand on in this, uh, in, the, in, the, in the podcast that we've not managed to touch so far? Oh, no, I mean, I can't, yeah, I can't think of anything really that you haven't really covered. I mean, um, you know, really looking forward to the year ahead personally. And uh, I just kind of on this platform now, I'd like to thank everyone who's supported me so far uh, in in this journey. And I'm sure will continue to support me uh, and, and everyone else going to the games, um, albeit from afar. But yeah, just to say massive thanks for their for their support. That's cool. What about you, Adam? Would you like to say, or oh, Rebecca Lovat? Hey, Becky, thanks for tuning in. She's obviously happy to hear from you all. So it's lovely to see the audience chipping in here. Adam, is there anything you'd like to finish and just uh, share with the share with the audience here? Yeah, I mean, 
I didn't come here with anything in particular to say other than just to answer your questions. So, you know, I just um, second what Liam said, really. Just like, thanks for all the support from everyone. And yeah, I'm sure we will hear the cheers um, when we're out there from back home. You know, that was something um, during the Olympic selection year, actually. You know, I, I was very aware of the support we had back at home. Um, and yeah, I mean, this pandemic's probably presented an opportunity for new people to get involved in paddle sports. You know, I saw I saw the numbers of memberships going up a lot last year, and um, you know, let's let's hope it continues to increase and we can inspire a few more people to get in boats this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that call. And what about you, Charlotte? You've got the last word of the the podcast. Well, I'm probably going to do that, but you've got the last of the guests' words. Go on. Uh, I I think that that point's really really important. Um, you know, I think we have something incredibly special within British canoeing. I think it's, a, you know, as somebody who's newly discovered the wonders of the world of canoeing, I think, um, you know, thank you to you for, for doing stuff like this to hopefully help us kind of spread our message of the incredible support, support and sport that we have. And um, hopefully we can capitalise on, you know, the, the new membership coming in, can we spread the word about canoeing and, and you know, make it bigger and better for future generations? And, um, I, you know, I just want to say thank you for all the support so far coming over to this new world for me. And, um, you know, I've quickly fallen in love with it and I want to spread the message to more people. So, uh, yeah, long may it continue. Canoeing and kayaking is the best. Everybody and paddle, stand-up paddleboarding, paddle sport, should I say, and, and all the other sports, I've probably said it, you know what I mean. Anything where you get a paddle and you get to pull along in the water, I think it's awesome. I can dig it. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, Liam, Adam, and Charlotte, for being here. It's just so, so kind. And thank you to all of the people who've come to watch. It's just super great to have you uh, along tonight, all of you as and the listeners. And I hope we brought a little bit of sunshine to your Thursday evening. I hope it will come back for the rest of the summer. We'll be back next week with an edition all about sheep paddles, uh, which will be really interesting. Why we've got that campaign, what that campaign's about, and what work is being done within our community. Please remember. Remember, you can catch up with all of this on Facebook and YouTube. We'll be releasing it as a podcast as soon as we can. You'll be able to find that in the usual places. I'm super happy for being here. Thank you to our guests once more. Thank you to everybody for all the comments and the lovely things you've been saying. And yeah, see you soon. And uh, yeah, have a good time out on the water if you can between now and next week. Bye for now. <laughs>